Welcome to Stream Detroit, the show for cool people doing cool shit. I'm Mike McClintock, uh, your host, with uh, Brad Fox, uh, Sean Yalda, and Jeff Wagner today. Uh, we're doing another demo day. Uh, normally we do a demo day, somebody has an app or something like that, but today we're with uh, Tamor Altari of Vortex uh, IP, and he's an intellectual property uh, lawyer, uh, so everything that uh, Tamor does is in his head. So we're going to demo uh, Tamor's head today and talk about uh, intellectual property law and how that uh, applies to startups. Um, you know, first, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, uh, Brad. Mike, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. So, what, what what exactly is an intellectual property lawyer do? Well, traditionally, um, you know, there's different types of IP attorneys. Um, there is patent attorneys, which is the vast majority of IP attorneys, and, and patent attorneys will either work in prosecution, uh, which is the drafting and procurement of patents, um, and then there's patent litigators who will litigate the patents, um, and then there's trademark attorneys who counsel clients on getting trademarks, and, and then there's also, um, you don't see very many of them, but people who specialize in copyright mm -hmm. uh, as well. So. Okay. What's the difference between patent and copyright? So copyrights protect artistic um, works or creative works, and patents create uh, protect technical uh, innovations. So both both come from the uh, from the Constitution, um, mm. where where the founding fathers thought that a good economy is is going to be based on on a on a system where we reward. Um, creative types, both uh, into, uh, both technical creative types and, mm -hmm. and also artistic creative types. So uh, traditionally, copyrights were thought to protect works such as books, po poetry, drawings, sculpture, um, and songs, and, songs um, and albums and photographs. Uh, but has been also applied to other types of creative works, including the code which you which mm -hmm. which you write, as well as you know graphical user interfaces. Um, and but it's kind of within that realm. It's the look and feel of your of your of your GUI. So uh, that's that's copyright um, patents. They protect inventions. Um, so you know if. Anything from mechanical inventions to chemical, biomedical, um, you know, there's People certain patenting genes, aren't they? Well, certain, it, it depends. Blue um, jeans or genes with a G? <laughs> Maybe both. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Gen blue jeans are probably more copyright. Uh, well, actually, probably blue jeans, if, you're, if you've got a new way of making blue jeans, would be easier to patent. Than, than jeans these days. Jeans are, are jeans and software are kind of in the um, are, are kind of hot button issues within the patent uh, yeah. the patent realm these days. It's kind of a big fight between people who believe that uh, software is easily patentable or should be patentable, and then there's a whole group of uh, software people who believe that uh, software should never be patented. Like the open coders, right? Like that kind of a thing. Uh, absolutely, and and. And and one thing that I do um, is I work with with startups now that um, a lot of them are open coders, like Linux people, like in kind of old school to a certain degree, right? Like a absolutely. And 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 I think one of the things that people have a problem with is not necessarily the fact that people are patenting software; it's that these software patents are 
extremely broad, extremely vague and ambiguous, not enabling, and 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 generally low quality, and and they're being bought up by non-practicing entities, which people com- commonly refer to as as patent trolls, and and you'll find them enforcing these against companies. Um, but I think a lot of it is, is, is kind of a PR campaign against software patents. The way I like to look at it is, um, you know, if you're a company that's pouring lots of resources into solving technical problems and, and, and researching and, and, and doing various things in order to make your company better, um, you should have some sort of mechanism by which you can protect yourself in order in order to bring your part, uh, product to market. I mean, as, as somebody who got into law because they wanted to actually one day start their own startup, um, one of the biggest impediments that I think a lot of people face is, well, I'm just gonna create this and all of a sudden, you know, one of the big, big players is gonna come and copy everything that I do and, and then I really don't have anything to stand on. They have resources, they have money, they have marketing, they have brand name, they have everything. And unless I really come and just blow it out of the water and with, with, with speed and, and gusto, I'm just basically disclosing what my ideas are so that a bigger, a bigger fish can come in and, and, and eat up my idea. So, so with respect to software patents, I, I think if, you know, when I'm counseling clients, the the goal that we try to have is well thought out patents, well, well drafted patents that that really get to what the invention is. And 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 that and and that has claim scope that is well defined. Um, And and for your readers or for your listeners and viewers out there, um, you know, we can get into what a well defined claim or well-defined patent is the the idea that you know I think what a lot of people that are anti-software patent think and and maybe part of what they're saying is 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 true is that these people who got these patents 10 15 years ago never had any had no idea what they what what these claims were going to be um, what kind of litigation they were going to be getting into down the road. And so, and, and, and you look at the patent and you say, wow, this patent is directed towards, you know, unlocking a, unlocking a car with a, with a, with a key lock. And now you're trying to read it upon like a Bluetooth radio module, um, because of this wishy-washy language that you're using. And, and so maybe the software, you know, the anti-software camp, you know, has a point in, 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 in that regard, but generally, you know, used correctly and and with a well-developed strategy, you know, it's it's there to, to help protect the little guy, really. And 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 the reason that it's not is right now, is because the process is very expensive, and and for a lot of small companies, almost cost prohibitive, which is unfortunate, uh, because. A lot of the innovation and the technical problems that you're facing as a startup come in your first few years, where you're saying, "Well, how the hell are we going to do this?" You know, you know, it's great we have this great concept, but it seems like it would be impossible to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you spend a lot of time trying to figure it out, and 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 
and, and that's resources that's and you know as the old adage says time is money um, and maybe you hire some people so that money is money um, so it's a very good way to help turn those what people have traditionally thought as sunken research costs into um, into a tangible asset down the road and 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 as a from a startup's perspective you know, once you have some patents on file or you have like an IP strategy, I mean, not every startup is, sets itself up for a patent. And I think that's kind of part of the strategy is figuring out, well, do we have anything that we should be patenting? Um, and, and if so, you know, what is it and how do we how do we best disclose this? So, you know, you're a broke startup or you're a mostly broke startup. How do you even begin to try to deal with the intellectual property world? Because you just think, oh my gosh, you know, how are we going to be able to afford something like that? Where do we even start? You know, can we even afford to walk in the front door of some of these law firms? That kind of stuff. You know, where, where do you come into that, to that mix? Yeah, and, and so where I come into that mix is I, previously I'd spent a lot of time working at uh, different law firms, both of... IP boutiques, you know, mm-hmm. law firms that specialize in intellectual property and general practice firms um, with with strong um, with with strong IP departments. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing you would see is that you you do get a lot of startups coming to you, uh, and they don't really know what it is that they're that they want. Mm-hmm. So they'll come and they'll say, well, you know. Here's here's a lot of our design documents, or here's mm-hmm. here's some screenshots of our of right. our of our of our app or of our website or anything, and and you know unless there's something particularly innovative about that, you know that may not be the best strategy going forward. Um, you know, and, and they kind of want to see basically like a, a a book that outlines their entire software. You know, even if it's hey, we have a um, you know, something very, very simple that's well known and, and they kind of expect to see that in there because it's part of what their software does. Really, what you, what where I come in is, um, well, I work with, first of all, I'll work with inventors to kind of help them think about what is, what is an invention? You know, what what is it? that we're going to seek the patent mm-hmm. as a, um, and you're functioning as the attorney are you doing a patent at that point yeah copyright as, as a, you know this was at my at, in my old mm-hmm. my old firms and what i do now um you know you kind of help them think of, oh well, what are we what are we doing um that's that's different than everybody else what's mm-hmm. the whiz bang as one of my mentors how long does that take um, you know, it really depends on the invention. I mean, it usually takes. I mean, it and depends on how well you know the technology. Right now, I work with a with a with a company um, that's doing some very cool things out of California, and now I, I understand their technology very mm-hmm. well. So initially, we'll have a very quick talk about, mm-hmm. or, or they'll they'll get disclosed to me, you know, through writing. Um, or, can we patent um, this podcast? Uh, uh, no, we can copyright it though. Okay. In fact, just by just by just by putting it out there, copyright twenty fourteen. Exactly. Awesome. Well, I mean, I'm sure you see a lot of crazy ideas along those lines, right? So you probably see people who come into you and say, "I've got this great idea," and you know whether it's a technology based or or otherwise. And at some point, you've got to, you probably know either in your gut or you know through your experience that uh, this is not a great idea. 
and there's the egos at stake, right? So let's say a person, you know, fresh out of college has been thinking about this app or this software solution. I mean, how do you, what does that conversation look like? I'm sure there's, you know, some heartbreak, right? And it's like, well, this isn't patentable or this isn't copyrightable. You know, have you kind of encountered that kind of a, kind of a situation uh, in your experience? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of different situations that you'll run into. Um, there's, you know, somebody has invented something that's just not new. Or they've invented something in air quotes for the listeners out there. Luggage with wheels. Exactly. That, that's exactly right. Um, and 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 in, in in those cases, you know, you do a, a, a knockout search. So I'll just go on, uh, you know, a search engine such as Google. Google patents or something like Google that. Google right? patents, um, or you know, if if their instruction is not to search patents, you know, I'll try to do market research and and find what's kind of been sold already uh, just to kind of say, hey, look, you know, you have X, you have Y, you know, an examiner is going to look at this. We got to disclose this to the patent office. You're not going to get it. The other thing that you'll get is just kind of ideas that are, are, are physically impossible. So the, the, the classic example that I think every patent attorney who's practiced long enough is the perpetual motion machine. I was just going to say that. And, 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 and you come and, and they'll, they'll come to you and they'll be like, I have this machine and, you know, it doesn't require any energy to make it work and you can create energy with it. And you're like, well, it kind of sounds like a perpetual motion machine. And uh, they're like, no, 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 no. This is, this it's really is, a better master. I have one yeah. of those. Yeah, really. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and, and, and those, you know, you'll tell them, well, and, and the patent office does reserve the right to say, to call shenanigans, as I like to call it. Right. I don't think that's the official term, but they can ask for a, a, a to, to show proof of proof of concept that, that this does in fact work and ask for a prototype. Um, and, and they'll do so when people claim that they've invented a, a perpetual motion machine. I imagine time machine as well. Hmm. Um, but, uh, Has anybody patented a time machine? You know, I, I'm sure. You think Da Vinci would have something like that? Yeah, by I think now. It, they call it a clock. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah, sorry about that. Well, you can go forward; you just can't come back. No, exactly. <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I imagine. So the the, the patent office started publishing um, patent applications in 2001. Mm -hmm. So before then, you wouldn't be able to see what people have tried to patent mm. um, until it actually issued. So. If somebody tried to patent a time machine, as long as they submitted it after 2001, then it would be on the public record. So um, we can I can certainly find out. In fact, after this podcast ends, I will probably get vortexed into finding a... Uh, a, pat a time machine? A, 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 time a patented a, time machine. Somebody trying to patent a time machine. That's a great idea. I don't we, think, we said it first, right? So it's, it's ours. We yeah, own it. You've We're got copyright. all claims to, to, the, to the time machine. Um, yeah, so on, so you, working in the startup space, as Mike kind of hinted at, there's sometimes they're just bootstraps. So it could be a couple of people right out of college who have this great idea, may not have a lot of cash. They might have friends and family who help kind of them bootstrap where they might have a savings account. So from your perspective, that's you know hiring a patent attorney or an intellectual property attorney like yourself. You know, they probably think, hey, man, the meter's going to be running. I mean, is that something that you encounter? And how do you, you know, assuage their fears, if you will, that, hey, look, it's not going to be as expensive as you think, um, you know, with a meter running with with a with an intellectual uh, attorney such as yourself? So I think one thing is to. So another thing that I, I kind of do is um, once I left the law firms, I. I you know, I, I work out on, on my own um, with a couple of other guys. We're loosely affiliated, and we we have a much slower 
rate, billing rate, because we don't have the overhead that a law firm does. Um, you know, law firms are, 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 are great for, for a lot of different things, but one of the things that they, one of the drawbacks is, you know, if you're working at a IP boutique, you're, you're, you're servicing 10, 15 clients, you know, five big ones, three big ones. So you don't have a lot of time to learn, you know, a one and done patent application for, for a small startup. Um, so that's kind of why those costs, like the, the, that first patent is usually the most expensive because it's, there's a getting to, A, the person doesn't know, there's no, there's no in-house IP counsel that's gonna know how to get you the information efficiently. The person doesn't know what a patent is, so there's a lot of teaching and handholding right. that goes on. So that's, I mean, one one thing you know, you can find somebody like me um, that that works on, on kind of a what what I do is I, I work I'll I'll do a lot of the drafting, the kind of figuring out what's patentable at a much lower rate, um, and then we'll work with a law firm to to, to file. And 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 to, to handle the the parts that they're very good at, and then once the bu- their budgets grow, and I you know, the, once once they can afford to go to to the law firm, you know, then you you've kind of put the procedures in place to disclose the invention. You know, here's here's the here's the part of our system that we think is there's a new part, um, and and so we'll put you know our. our our, our resources, if you will, into explaining this and, and putting in algorithms, putting in different, you know, exp- you know, exp- expanding the the description of it, putting figures in there. You know, that's that's how you can guarantee you're getting the best bang for your buck. I mean, there's no there's no magic bullet to say, hey, I want to get, I want to pay a hundred bucks for a patent, and 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 you know, like it's a it's there's always going to be costs associated with it. But if you work with a, a smaller firm, I mean, I think that's a, a very good way to go. Find find a firm that is a is a smaller firm that has a lot, maybe three or four people that broke off from a from a larger firm. Um, they'll usually have reduced rates and they'll have areas of expertise. Mm-hmm. So they you know they may be they may be car guys, and if you're doing something that's dealing with you know the automotive industry, then you go to a firm like that. You know, they may be electrical guys and you go to those guys. Um, you know, there, there may be three or four guys in there. Don't just go to somebody because, hey, he's a patent attorney. Right. Um, you know, he has a, you know, a PhD in, in, in biochemistry and I want him to write electrical patents for me. Um, so, you, you, you know, you want to just make sure that there's a right fit from a, from a technology perspective. Um, if that's the person that's going to be drafting patent applications for you, or and 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 go in there with a plan, um, you know, really narrow down like, hey, this is what separates us. You know, we're a company that is. Um, I, I don't want to get into anything that I've worked on before, so I'll just make an example up. How about a how about a practical time machine using dynamic, efficient, virtual, and real robots? The crack research team of uh, Sean Yelda and company of uh, Stream Detroit has, in fact, found a, a time machine patent application. What do you think of that one? <laughs> that one looks. Uh, Looks pretty awesome to me, actually. Um, if you if the crack research team could just hit that view PDF button, so we could maybe 
uh, to the right so we can maybe see some of these awesome figures that I'm sure are accompanying this time machine. Yeah. What attracted me or my eyes was super build super powerful lasers. Right. <laughs> in, right. In air quotes. Right. I saw that there was a lot of things about DNA in there too. Maybe that one's a little bit impractical. Yeah. Um, so, but, but if, if I was, if I was counseling this, uh, when I'm sure, um, Mr. Mr. Quoke, um, what I would tell him is great stick figures. Yeah. Scroll Can down. Scroll down a little bit. <laughs> Keep going down. We got down. robots. We got, we got 38 different figures, by the way. So we've got, um, Oh, it makes a copy of the people, it looks like. Optimal so it's, it's a replicant character. of some sort. It's Virtual a replicator. Character. Yeah. I love it. Well, this is old technology. It's 2009, so I'm sure they've figured this out by yeah. now. It's all Bluetooth now. So he's actually got some pretty good figures in there, right. though. So, but, but anyways, if I was, you know, counseling uh, somebody who's made a, you know, dynamic time machine using high-density lasers... Um, I would probably tell them, you know, there's, there's, they were, they were to walk into my office or let's say we were to be talk, chatting at a coffee shop. I would, I, I would kind of give them four major points. Um, number one, you know, have your shit together. Know, know what your goal is. You know, is it, is what makes us different than all other time machines? Is it the high density lasers? Is it the robots? Is it, is it the ability to copy a person and, and put them in there? And and if and if that's the case, you know, let's say it's the high-powered lasers and the robot copies. Right. You know, have a have a document ready that explains. Okay, this is these this is if I was teaching you know a fellow time mm -hmm. travel expert how to do this, or or if I were to take on an understudy that just finished his you know bachelor's degree in time travel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what would I do to tell them to say, hey, this is how we're going to build this machine. You know, this, this is the type of lasers we're going to use. This is this is the frequency that these lasers are going to operate. Know your at. product ABCs. Exactly. So that's knowing your product ABCs. Like you have to know mm -hmm. how to build it, how to make okay. it, how to build that software. Um, and and um, and so it's also how expensive. Is it? Um, it really depends from invention to invention, but if you do take care of your ABCs and mm -hmm. you have your stuff together. So if you know your ABCs and you have your shit together, you're it's probably not as expensive as you think. You're going to see dramatic reductions in cost because otherwise you're, you're asking a patent attorney mm -hmm. who you know, has never worked in time travel before right. to kind of figure out should what I, those ABCs are. Should I, should I have my shit together and, and, know, and know my product ABCs and uh, come in with, with enough money and not be worried about that it's going to be too expensive, but then take my virtual time machine uh, using uh, DNA with lasers to a uh, mechanical engineering uh, IP lawyer. Should I do that or should I yeah, find I mean, a time it, machine guy? Um, I mean, like you, you'd preferably like to find somebody that's worked in time machines. But right. Is that it, in the yellow pages? I mean, how do yeah, you... well, I mean, typically you can, you can, you can look on like the firm's website and they'll say what their expertise is. Time machines. Time machines, time travel. Vortex generators, you know, things like that. Exactly. Right. You know, standard mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and so, but you're never going to find a, it's, it's very difficult to find a complete fit. Like you're never going to find somebody who, you mm -hmm. know, studied high density. Right, there's probably not a really big market for, for time machines. Exactly. So you, you'd want to maybe Apparently, say, though, there's some. Exactly. So you'll, you'd, you'd try to maybe find a electrical engineer if it's the lasers part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a mechanic, you know, if it's the, yeah. um, the flux capacitor, if that's a mechanical device. Right. 
um, you know, then, then you'd want to... Have you reviewed the, the flux capacitor? I, I did, and I, I have a patent on it, so mm-hmm. hands off. Okay. All right. Well, to, to be clear, that uh, Back to the Future 1 would be considered prior art, so... I, I renamed it the Fox Capacitor, <laughs> so that's my last name. Um, so that's so it's like the ABCs. Get your shit together, have your shit aligned, know your product. It's not, it, does, it sounds like, you know, having a, an attorney like yourself is probably not as expensive as a startup might think, even if they're bootstrapped. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and if you go, you know, if, you know, a lot of people just kind of open up and say, well, what's the best, what's the best, most well-known firm that I can go to? Well, the problem, one problem with the best, most well-known firm is, you know, as a startup was going coming in for one patent application, they don't really see you as like a, you know, as a very good um, client. You know, they have clients that spend millions of dollars with them every day. And then the other thing is their billing rates cater to those types of clients. So you're looking at a $400 an hour guy who just got out of law school that has maybe drafted one or two patent applications. Um, so it's all about finding the right fit. I mean, if you can afford that, then by all means, you know, to test one of those guys out. But there's plenty of guys that are extremely experienced that are well, well, you know, well-versed in, in certain technical areas that have broken off, that want a little bit of more of a lifestyle mm-hmm. and that have smaller shops across the country. You know, you find those guys, ask them to see, you know, a couple of their patents that they've drafted in, in the past. You know, if you can read it and it makes sense to you, um, you, you trust, you know, you talk, talk a little tech with them. You, you kind of have a trust that they'll understand your technology. Then that's probably the right, for, and, 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 and ask them like, you know, what, what is, what's, how many hours do you think this will take? Um, you know, and, 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 and I, I like to hammer home the fact that there is a couple of other hidden costs that, that people don't necessarily know about. There's a prosecution phase that comes about two years down the road um, where you actually start going back and forth with the patent office to figure out what the scope of your claims are. Um, so what are the words that we're gonna use to define your invention? Um, so that's, and then there's maintenance, there's issue fees and maintenance fees that come at, at, at various points throughout the life of the patent. So those are also some things that can come up that may be a little bit, uh, but presumably by, by year two or four or five, nine or whatever, you should know whether your company is viable or not. And, and another mechanism that, that, you know, startups can use is there's something called a provisional patent application. And a provisional patent application is not necessarily an application that's going to be examined, um, but it's more of like a placeholder, a timestamp. So like just a disclosure to yeah, protect so you, yourself. You disclose prior you put in a couple of claims. Um, you know, you can have it drafted as a as a regular patent mm-hmm. application, or it can just be a disclosure of hey, here's our algorithms. Here, how much does that cost? Well, the, that the, it sounds it sounds less expensive. It, I mean, it, 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 that all depends, you know, if you're doing a, what we refer to as a full blown, you know, mm-hmm. full blown provisional, which is basically a utility application. You're just, you still haven't figured out maybe mm-hmm. all the, the final implementation details. So you're still fine tuning it. You know, it's going to, the drafting costs are going to be about the same, but the filing fees, you're not paying the filing fees, but when you convert it a year later, then you're going to be paying those filing fees. Um, but if you're just kind of saying like, Hey, here's, here's my, here's my design docs. And like here, you know, here's, you know, pages four through eight are the, the interesting part. Um, 
you know, then it's then it can be much, much cheaper. And, and, that, and then you have the freedom to go talk to potential investors. And then mm-hmm. you can go raise capital and say, hey, I have a- So it's an initial place to protect yourself a little bit. Exactly. And, okay. and, and you, you've disclosed your idea. You've given enabling, docu- enabling disclosure in that sense. And, and now you can talk to people without fear of them stealing your idea because you have this, this, this patent pending looming large. And, mm-hmm. and so you, you can, and, and as a potential investor comes to you, they see that you've taken the initiative that, mm-hmm. hey, there's, there, there's, there may be at least something there that they're seeking patents on. So it makes you look better. You know, mm-hmm. it, can, it can help your valuations. It can help, uh, it can allow you to talk to other companies, partnerships. I mean, there's a lot of, patents offer a sword, to, you know, to, to use down the road, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of different ways you can use them that aren't necessarily litigation based. I mean, you can use them to help foster partnerships. You can mm-hmm. use them to help r- raise money. You can use them for, for a lot of different reasons. And, 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 you know, if all else fails, you have an asset. So you've spent a lot of resources developing something. Now, let's now say- at least you got something yeah, you can sell. And you have something that you can sell. I mean, Friendster is a, is a great example. Um, actually, Research in Motion was mm-hmm. the, the most famous patent, patent troll, which I, I don't, it was really just, just the BlackBerry field, people. The yeah, or um, the NTP, the company that sued them. Um, it was actually the guy was actually a really prolific inventor, and his company just didn't make it. And so he had his patents, and and he made money off of them. But then so. you have like Skull versus uh, Linux. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and you, you do have you do have people that come in and and you know try to take advantage of the system, but. Uh, but I mean, at the same time, like they 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 do help a lot of. Um, so you got to take the patent trolls with the good. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 trolls and there's there's trolls. Yeah, yeah. trolls. <laughs> um, you know, there's some. How did we come that, up with troll? Um, it was actually. Is that the, a legal term? I mean. It was actually the director. Of, like Latin or something? I don't know. You know, it was the director of, uh, or it was the. Um, the chief IP counsel of Intel, I believe, they were being sued by a company that didn't make it, so they didn't have a product to sell. And so the guy looked like and a makes troll. money that way, right? And he said, "This guy's just these guys are just trolls. Um, they're just trying to kind of stand at places where you know they're trying to come up and ex- exactly." When was when was this? Um, this was, I believe, in the '90s. Oh, so that's um, the etymology of patent troll. That that was where the term initially came from, and the irony of it is, is he actually left? Um, I, I believe he actually left uh, Intel, and he's at Intellectual Ventures, which oh. is a, which is kind of what people. They're the Papa refer- Troll. Yeah, the, the 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 big the biggest troll. Um, not not saying they're a troll. Not that there's like anything that. wrong with it. Not saying that there's with, a troll. Please don't no. pat yeah, me on, not on this thing, saying yeah. trolls. But I mean, but they're a large non-practicing entity. So that's the irony of it. I mean, oh, he leaves. That's a nice way to say it. Non-practicing yeah, non-practicing entity. entity. Okay. So he left. Um, you know, he left Intel and 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 then went and joined Intellectual Ventures. So the guy who claimed the t- term um, became became the biggest troll. No, non-practicing entity. Non-practicing entity. They're not trolls. <laughs> so what's one piece of advice you get? One piece to give to startup founders regarding their intellectual property? What's one piece, the nugget? Uh, The one nugget I would say is do your diligence and have a plan, a strategy and a plan. Because, um, you know, if you don't follow those four things we discussed earlier, Mm -hmm. you're gonna be, you know, the the drunk guy walking into the casino or the, uh, the hen walking into the 
fox farm or something like that you're you're just gonna get that's copyright trademark yeah it's, uh, <laughs> um but that that's you're, you're gonna let's that'll be in the show notes yes uh you're you're basically walking into a situation where you're gonna spend a lot of money and it, those costs that i was talking mm-hmm. about later on down the road with, with prosecution they're going to become much more prevalent because you, you've got just a bunch of junk and, and okay. the whole process is going to become bloated. So, you know, follow those things, have a plan, have a strategy and, and, and you'll, you'll come out. All right. All right. And, and be inventive. Don't, don't come to us with stupid shit. No, no stupid shit. <laughs> Tamor Altari. Hashtag for, no uh, stupid shit. Yeah. Thanks for coming on stream Detroit and uh, walking into the, what was it? The Fox house? The, the, the hen into the, the, hen the, hen fox, the fox house. The yes. hen walking into the fox, the fox house. Farm. Not my fox house. Farm. Not my fox house. house. Wait, I wish we can't house. even. Oh, different fox. Yeah, different fox. <laughs> Completely different one. All right. It's time to drink.